High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. So tonight's whole topic is about being real with God. Everyone say God. God. But say it in a real religious way. Good job. All right, so um, we're going to start here in Jeremiah 1.5. If you don't know this verse, I want you to know this verse. Um, everyone typically knows Jeremiah 29. 11. Okay, good Christians. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5 is also uh, a super, super important one to know. Not because any of you are Jeremiah, but because the words that God speaks to Jeremiah here at the beginning of this book are also true for you. So uh, anyone, just a little Bible trivia, anyone here know uh, why Jeremiah was called as a prophet? Anyone ever read the book of Jeremiah? Bree has. Good job. All right, cool. So this will be somewhat new to you. So I'm going to give you a little, I want you to have a little bit of an understanding of who Jeremiah is and why this conversation is taking place. So Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he lives in a time where uh, Israel is really kind of broken, right? Like um, it's broken into two kingdoms. There's Israel, then there's Judah, and everyone is acting a fool. And so basically what happens is Jeremiah is a priest in the land of Judah, who is faithful to God, but the people of Judah and the people of Israel have broken their covenant with the Lord. They have rebelled. They are being foolish. They are uh, marrying people. They are doing things. They are doing literally the complete opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. And so God calls Jeremiah, and he, he looks for someone who will be faithful to him, someone who will speak on his behalf, because Jeremiah's message that he brings to the people is not encouraging. Right, so like the the job of a prophet in the Old Testament was not uh, um, wasn't really glamorous. You were kind of the bearer of bad news. In fact, your Jeremiah, especially his whole job was to tell the people how bad they were acting, and if they did not change, God was going to bring about a rebuke. He's going to bring about punishment, uh, specifically through the Babylonian Empire. And so at the very beginning, uh, Jeremiah starts to write down what the Lord speaks to him. So the Lord comes to Jeremiah, and it's the very beginning of the book. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now this first part is true for every single person in this room. This whole series is going to be about being real. Okay. Which means this next three weeks, and most importantly tonight, will not have an effect on your life if you are not transparent, and if you are not honest, and if you are not... There we go. You're catching on. You're catching on. Good job. Look at y'all. So if you cannot... And hear me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring about a message. I don't need you to be, be, be real with me tonight. I don't need you to, I, I'm not looking for y'all to be honest with me. What I am looking for and what I do feel in my spirit is, is that many of you, if not all of us in some way, shape, or form, need to finally be honest with the Lord. I think that uh, there is a growing misconception within the church, especially within your generation, 
that we are to please God with something other than intimacy. That we, are, we can please God with something other than our real self. Right? And so instead of being conformed to the image that is Jesus, we are being conformed to the image that is the Christian. And these two things, uh, just being honest, are not always the same. And we live in a time where I feel like I could on one side probably make a list of exactly the things Jesus did and how he acted. And then we could put a list of what, uh, what we would say a good Christian is. And those lists might not look the same. Maybe some of them. But the most important things might actually be missing. And so what, what I want to do tonight specifically is I need you. I want you. Most important, I feel like the Spirit of the Lord wants you to be honest. I need you to be honest about yourself. I need you to be honest about your emotions. All right, guys? Okay? I need you to be honest about your thoughts. I need you to be honest about your fears. I need you to be honest about your doubts. I need to be honest about what the things you're going through right now, about your insecurities. All of these things, uh, it's one of those like... It's one of those constant things like youth, people in youth ministry, we always talk about, I know that we can only do so much because as long as you draw the line as to what you're willing to talk about or who you're willing to be, that is, that is as far as you will grow. It does not matter how great this message is. It doesn't matter how moving my words are, how funny or entertaining or catchy some of the one-liners are. If you are not honest with yourself, this will have no effect on your life. In fact, just to be honest, most of your faith will have no effect on your life. But we'll get there. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We'll, we'll, we'll get there in just a minute. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. There are two things that really stand out here in this passage. Before you were ever physically created, and if you don't know how that happened, ask someone else, preferably a parent. Before you were ever physically made, there was ever an ounce or molecule of you. God says he knew you. And not only did he know you, he consecrated you. And so what he says to Jeremiah when he says, I consecrate, can't talk tonight, guys, it's been a while. Consecrated means to be set apart. So not only did he know Jeremiah before he was ever, his time on earth was ever up, he also knew the purpose for Jeremiah. See, that should shift some of, the, some of how you, th you think when God thinks about you. You were not just like, I uh, You've probably heard me say this before. Like my life, my, me being on this earth, I, I used to look at as I'm, a, I'm the product of a one night stand between two people who lived in different states at the time who hooked up one night. That's how I came into this earth. Like that is my like story a little bit. But before that ever happened, God knew of me and he knew the purpose for me. That changes the way that I think about myself. That should change the way you think about yourself. It does not matter the circumstances that which you came into this earth. It doesn't matter if you know your mom, know your dad, if you've been raised by your grandparents, if you've been raised by parents or adoptive parents or foster homes or the television. It does not matter your circumstances. God was not surprised by you. He did not say, I don't know, this came out of nowhere, this wasn't in the plan. 
See, we talk about God's plan so much that when something like that happens, like you know, a baby out of wedlock happens, you're like, well, God, what's God going to do with this baby? God, God already knew that baby, and God, God already knows you and knew you before you were born, regardless of, of what two people made it happen or when it happened or if they were married or if it was planned. No matter the circumstances of which you were born, you're on this earth because God made you, and before he ever made you, he knew you. And when he knew you, he gave you a purpose. So I just before I go any further, you have to understand that you in this room, you have breath in your lungs, you have a purpose, and that you are known intimately by the Lord. Watch this. Uh, this is in Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. Everyone say, O Lord, o Lord. you have searched me. Y'all can stop. I'm reading. Ah, Lee. You see what I was doing? You were starting. I was picking up after I drank the water. This side. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I'm going to read this first part to you one more time. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. I, I want you to hear that, and I want you to remember that. Because that right there is enough, hopefully should be enough, to convince you to stop acting like God doesn't know what's going on in your life. We play this game with God where we think he does not know our thoughts where he does not know the words before they come out of our mouth. We, we act like he does not know the motives of our heart. We act like he does not see what is done in secret. He act, we act like he does not know every text and every Snapchat. And, and hear me, I'm not saying, I'm not doing this to be like, God is watching everything. He's worse than Santa. Like that is not what I want you to get across right now is that God is the almighty overseer and is like, that, that's not it. What I want you to get out of this is that literally every thought, every word, every heart, every motive, every day, when you sit up, when you lie down, when you go to bed, when you scroll your phone, when you're in class, when you're in the car, God knows and sees all of it. Again, this alone is enough to change the way you think about yourself and the Lord. Because we, we think that God does not pay attention to us, and I can't go too deep into that. But many of us, we, we, we reflect what we believe about our parents or the people who have raised us onto God. And because most of us feel like we have been starved from attention from mom and dad or abandoned from mom and dad, we do the same thing with God, and we think God only sees and hears us when we're down here. It's like, well, now I'm in church. God's paying attention to me. That's not how any of this works. God does not all of a sudden be like, oh man, I, 
totally forgot Graham. I wonder how he's been. I need to check in on him. Or I need to check in. Some people have this weird concept too. Where like I need to check in with Graham's angel and get a report of how Graham's doing in his life. There is not a middleman between you and God. You get what I'm saying? There is nothing between you and the Lord that God has to like buffer you with. In fact, the opposite is true. Only we do that to God. God never does that to us. There's not a moment where God's like, oh, I need to check in. I need to see that. I didn't see how Graham's day with. I didn't see. I haven't checked his heart in a while. I could just, we throw Psalm 139 back up there. Someone in the booth. No one's in the booth. Someone's in the booth. I just can't see you. Wonderful. It says, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. That's, we could talk all night about that one right there. That he knows your thoughts. You search out my path and my lying down. And some of you lie down way too much. And are acquainted with all my ways. Even, this is a big one. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. This does not sound like a God who has to read a daily report of how your life is going. This sounds like a God who is far more intimate with me than I could ever be with him. This sounds like a God who knows me, knows my ways, literally says, uh, it says, uh, you are acquainted with all my ways. You know my thoughts, you know my words. This is not, hear me, I want you, you got to understand this. This is not meant to scare you. This is not meant to be like, oh, oh God. If anything, you should find comfort in this. Because this isn't new. You should find comfort in the fact that every thought, every word, every action you have ever had in your entire life has never, ever scared away God. That there has never been a moment. Like sometimes we get caught up and we're like, man, God's been so good to me. I must have been acting really well. No. This. I don't even know. I've got it on here. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful, wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This verse should bring about freedom in your life. It should bring about freedom in your life. Any of you that struggle with feeling you have to perform for the Lord, this should bring about freedom from that thought. <coughs> Sorry. Can I? Italy, are you back there? Okay. Will you, will you keep that verse up there for just a few more minutes? Thank you. Because <clears throat> when I read this, and I've read it probably 40 times today, when I read this, I realize that God knows me better than I know myself. That he sees me more than I even, like, he, 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 he probably knows some of my own thoughts. He probably remembers some of my own thoughts. The things that, he could tell me things about me that I'd be like, I totally forgot about that. I don't even realize that. And, it, and that same God still meets me every single day. And that same God died for you with that knowledge. And that same God pursues you 
every single day. This is a scripture that brings about liberty in your life, not condemnation, not fear, not guilt, not shame. I don't, we should not read this and be like, oh man, God knows that. He saw me search that. He saw me think, he heard me think that about that person. That, this brings about freedom and liberty. And hopefully this encourages you to quit playing this little game with God as like, oh Lord, I'm kind of struggling, you know, just been kind of hard lately, but God's good and I'm okay. Bless God. Any of you ever been around a kid who's like, I'll use this. Travis, you just, is you in here? Travis just walked in this room, so I'm going to pick on his child. <clears throat> Lily, like a couple, two, three, four weeks ago, I don't remember when, uh, came out of the green room, had chocolate on her face. Obviously, just ate chocolate. And yeah, he knows where I'm going. And Kat and Travis specifically have instructed their children, you cannot have chocolate. Don't eat it. It's not allowed. It's against the rules. And so Lily comes walking out of the green room, comes down this hallway around the corner into the cafe. And I don't, remember, I don't know if it's Kat or Travis. One of her parents is like, hey, who gave you chocolate? Assuming that their child did not do the wrong thing, that someone enticed them to do it. <laughs> and said, who gave you chocolate? And this is what that, how old's Lily? This two-year-old says, Pastor Garrett. <laughs> not just Garrett. Not, you know, not like some little, like, she specifically said, I don't even know if she knows that word. She said, Pastor Garrett. And this child is bold-faced, lying, and getting me in trouble. And I'm now being questioned by the parents. It's like, why'd you do this? Nothing could be more obvious when, this, when a kid is lying. And we do this exact same thing with the Lord all the time. We come before him with chocolate all over our face. I'm like, God, I've not done anything wrong. And life is so good. And, you know, hell lost another one. I'm free. So I ain't got no chains on me. And then we run back home and do the same things over and over again. Or we go to school and we talk the same way and we vape and smoke the same junk and we go to the football games and act the same way and we get on Snapchat and send the same stuff. But man, God, I praise you. I'm good at church. This bothers me so much because when I got saved at 17, I was, probably, I was probably a little too honest. Like when I got saved in high school, I didn't have any reason to hide the fact that I had been doing and had done bad things. And that I was a bad person. That I'd done drugs. I'd done a list of things I am not proud of. And it wasn't even like, it was pretty well known that I was that type of person. So what the beauty in that is, see, a lot of times, especially church kids and like Christians, we like to pin those type of people, but see, I don't have a testimony like that. And part of the reason they say that is because they still live in the bondage that they watch other people be set free from, but they're so trapped in their religion and performance of church, they don't ever actually get to experience freedom. But then they look at this, you know, they look at, and I experienced this in my own life, 
I came in at 17, experienced all kinds of just wonderful Holy Spirit moments of freedom and liberty and life change. I became a different person, and it was one of the best, I mean, it was one of the best seasons of my life. And I would have other kids who raised up and grew in the trip, like, he doesn't, no, it's fake. It's not real. It's fake. And I, I didn't know it then, but I look back on it now, and some of the most toxic people in, the, in, in my life, whenever I got saved, were the church kids who sat back and said, no, that's not real. And it wasn't real to them because they've never experienced it in their own life. Because they've been in church for 17 years and didn't know what freedom looked like because they were more interested in being fake with God and just performing and worshiping and going to small group and going to camp, but never were actually real enough to be delivered from anything. And so hear me, I don't say I'm not condemning anyone in this room, nor am I condemning those people, you know, a decade ago. But what I need you to understand is some of you will not and have not experienced deliverance and freedom that you watch other people, not because God loves them more, has chosen them and forgotten about you. You just aren't real enough to actually experience it. Everyone wants to be known by God, but they don't be real with God. And it's the people who are real enough with God that actually experience freedom and deliverance. But we, we just, I just want to know God. God just know me. God knows you. God's known you before you were ever on this earth. God knows you more. I don't, I don't have to read it again. God, God knows you, has known you, will forever know you. You don't need to be known more by God. He doesn't need to search you out and figure you out because he doesn't understand you. You need to know God better, but you will never know God better if you continue to play this facade of this is how I play church and how I play religion, and this is how we worship, this is how I read my Bible. It has no effect on my life, but I know to read a chapter a day and close the book and then go on. God does not need to know you more. To even say that is insulting. Because all we're really saying is, God, you don't actually know everything. I'm too complex. You don't understand my past and my pain and my hurt and my thoughts. God knows you better than you know yourself. And again, that should bring about liberty and freedom in your own life. Got real worked up there for a minute. I'm real sorry. No, I'm not. <coughs> not sorry at all. But do you understand what I'm trying to get across to you? This... This message here tonight, if it's for anyone, it's for those of you that have watched person after person after person go in front of you and experience and, and be changed in ways that you never have. I'm talking specifically to those of you that have been in church for a while. You've been doing this long enough. You know the motions. You know when to do the right stuff, say the right stuff. You know, when to put on the Christian face mask and do all those things. But eventually, for those of, those of you that are like that, growth stops and discipleship stops. And we start falling back into old cycles and routines. But because we've had such a great moment of deliverance, maybe a year, two, three, four, five years ago, and you've gotten up and you shared your testimony about how the Lord has freed you from pornography. How embarrassing would it be for you to come to a leader three years from now and say, I'm struggling with it again. See, we're not real enough for that. 
we're not real enough for those things because, because we, we feel like we've already graduated from that. We've already had that moment. We've already been delivered. We've already, you know, Pastor Gary, we've done those things. I was baptized when I was 12. I learned how to speak in tongues like a decade ago. What more is there for me than to just go through the motions? And man, we just sit back and we play our thing and we let everyone else. It must be so frustrating. I cannot imagine because I've never experienced this. So I'm not being sarcastic when I say this. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine how dreadful coming to church must be and watching as people experience and receive the things you are so desperate for, but you were not bold enough to go after. I can't imagine the dread that you have when you come to this building and you watch people jump and worship and, and praise the Lord and, and live a certain way, but you've been doing this longer than anyone, but you sit in your misery. I can't Im- I feel for you tonight. I'm not condemning you. Please understand, I'm not like saying you're pathetic. I'm not calling you sad. I'm not calling you anything. My heart breaks for you. You're in this room tonight and you dread coming to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. I, my heart genuinely breaks for you because you sit and you watch, but you've never received. But I will tell you this, that power is in your own hands. God's not, like I said earlier, there's not a middleman between you and God. God is not withholding. God's not like, nope, not your turn. The same promises, the same freedom is true for all of us. But you've got to be honest enough with the Lord. You've got to, you, you've got to be real with God. Um, it'll just go to Matthew 7. Most of you have probably heard this um, verse, <coughs> and it's usually preached in kind of a scary way. And again, I'm not trying to be scary. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm not trying to be like the boogeyman here. But Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says this. this is Jesus Christ speaking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, Jesus talking, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Again, this should be a scripture that comforts you. And I've heard it preached many times where it's like, you don't know God and God doesn't know you and you're going to hell. This scripture should comfort you. Because what Jesus is looking for is ultimately a relationship. That's the whole point of my message tonight. Is do you actually have a relationship with the Lord where he knows you and you know him? And there is mutual intimacy and relationship and truth and an exchange of words and time spent together? Or is this all just a game to you that you have to play until you can move out? At the end of your life or the end of time, whichever comes first, the key, proverbial key into heaven is not going to be your deeds. It's not going to be... It's not going to be your Bible trivia. 
It's not going to be your church attendance. It's not going to be your tithe report. It ain't going to be anything other than does he know you? Does he know who you are? Not because he knew you and formed you, but he knows you because you drew, you drew near unto him. Because you pursued him, because you chased him, because you loved him. Because you were honest with him and he knew the real you and not, not the church you that your parents are pleased to see on Sundays and Wednesdays. But does he actually know you? Does he know you because he has to watch from a distance or does he know you because you are you hold are hand in hand with him every single day? So there's a huge difference. Huge difference. As we go forward over the next few weeks, nothing matters. If you do not get this one right, the next few won't matter. Next week's message will not apply to you if you don't get this one right. The week after that won't apply to you. If, we, if you don't get this right. This is, this is everything. Like this message, this truth, this, this application into your life, this is everything. Nothing matters after, if this isn't right, continue to play your game. It will mean nothing and you will waste a lot of time in here. Does God know you? And do you actually know the Lord? See, when I read, when you read, when any of us read, but when I read the New Testament especially, I always, always spend a lot of time when Jesus talks to random people. It's like whenever that happens, like my attention really kind of kicks into gear a little bit. Because when Jesus interacts with some of the most random, even nameless people in Scripture, there is one common denominator amongst these people. They are brutally honest with God. They are broken and honest and have nothing to lose. The greatest miracles happen with these people. I could rattle off like four or five off the top of my head just thinking about it. The woman with the issue of blood crawls on her hands and knees just to get a piece of his garment has nothing to lose. Doesn't care about what anyone else is thinking, but she's going to get to Jesus. I mean, I can't put it to you better than that. I can't describe it any more than that. There's no point in me trying to describe it more to you than that right there. If there's not desperation, and I think that's what like, that's what makes me bang the table a little bit. So most of us just aren't desperate for the Lord. We're content with getting what we're going to get from church. We're content with just trying to be a good person. We're content with not getting in trouble. And we'll figure out the rest later. But there's not a desperation anymore. And this has nothing to do, and this is probably more for the youth leaders and some of the young adults in this room. Part of the reason that there's not desperation for the Lord anymore is because we've made church so daggum easy. And we've made it so much about us that we've lost desperation for God. That's a whole different topic, and I cannot go there. But remind me one day, well, maybe we'll go there. Until there is an actual desperation for Jesus in your life. 
and there is a desire and there's a pursuit. Shout out. And there's an actual like a drive in your life after the things of God. You're going to remain frustrated. You're going to remain in a place that I genuinely feel bad for those of you that are there. Like if you're, if you, that's you tonight, this message, this is for you. I want to see deliverance and freedom brought about in your life. But I, here's, the, here's the kicker. None of us, me, your youth leaders, no one in this room can be real to God for you. And that's why so many of you stay where you're at, is you're, you're hoping that one day God, <laughs> we like to do this thing with the Lord. And y'all are going to act like this isn't you, but I know it's, I just deal with it. We do this thing, we're like, I'd just rather God be like, I just want God to come read my mail. Why can't he like have Graham come up to me and be like, this is what you're struggling with. God sees it and you're better than that. And so that's why we come to the altar, not to be real with God, but in hopes that someone will be real to us for God. And we're like, well, maybe if I go, maybe I'll get a word. Maybe someone will call it out for me. And then I'll just cry and break. And I won't have to admit that that's a struggle in my life. Because God will do it. Pansies. Pansy Christians. Can't be real with the Lord. Can't be honest. Would rather just, we would rather God show up and throw us. We just, I just, we want the flipping stranger things to happen. I'd rather just elevate down at the altar. And have an out of body experience with the Lord. And come back a different person. And we want that so bad because ultimately we know if that could happen, it would be without of our control. And we would much rather be formed to the image of Christ without being able to control it. Can I tell you something? That is never going to happen. You will never become more like Christ because it's just, it's just so easy and it just happens without me even trying. You becoming more like Jesus and you becoming an actual disciple of Christ happens through dying to yourself. It happens through it. It's it's hard. In fact, this one. In fact, it's not easy, and it's a, it's words that I can't say because I'm a youth pastor, and this is going to be on a podcast. It is hard. It's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. And as long as we sit back, well, I just I just want the Holy Spirit to overwhelm my life so much that it becomes easy for me. You will sit there the rest of your life. It ain't gonna, you ain't gonna be overwhelmed by the Spirit so much one day that you're just like, oh, I've had such an out of body experience. I just, blah, 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 blah. it ain't gonna happen. It, you will not just wake up one day and be like, oh, I just don't even have to try to be like Jesus. Wow. It's not gonna happen for you. It didn't happen with the 12 who walked with him and lived with him. It ain't gonna happen with you. You ain't gonna be so gifted in the Spirit. That it's just going to overwhelm you. Just can't even control it. Fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Just throw that one in there. But again, it's probably somewhere we don't need to go tonight. I haven't preached in like a month, so just give me a little slack. And I'm doing really well on time. I feel like I've been preaching for a long time, so we're just going to keep going. I'm just kidding. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm just... Just don't want any more of this. 2023, we're so great at church, and it's just so fun to be here. And we just, 
show up and receive and go home and go do our own thing. And, and the root of this issue is we believe that God doesn't see or hear any of it. And so if you get anything out of tonight, I hope Jeremiah 1.5 and I hope Psalm 139, 1-6 resonates with you. Because who you are outside of this room, God sees and knows every single bit of it. And maybe that'll be enough to help you to quit playing this game of church. Maybe that'll be enough to maybe wake up some things in your own life. I don't know. I know what would do it is if you would just be honest and be transparent and actually be intimate with the Lord. See, intimacy with God doesn't just have to exist during a worship song. Did you guys know that? Did you know that a slow worship song does not have to be on for you to be intimate with the Lord? Did you, do you understand that? You can be intimate with God anywhere. Do you understand that the, the vibes don't have to, the lights don't have to be low? That no one has to, you know, no one's looking. Y'all are... Y'all just got me worked up. We are so weird with the Lord. We are so stinking. We have gotten weird. Like, can we just talk? We've got time. We've gotten a little too weird with God. And here's what I'm trying to say. We have put so many stipulations on the Lord as to when we can be honest and transparent and intimate and pursue him. Well, is my playlist on? Is no one else home? Are the lights low? Is no one else looking? Have I done everything else before I read my Bible? Yes. That's a ritual. That's a ritual, guys. That's a little too cultish for me. That's a, I'm just being honest. That's a little too close to what we would call witchcraft. If you can only connect and be intimate with the Lord under certain circumstances, there's a problem. There's a problem. There, there's genuinely a problem. In fact, I don't even know if we, if, if we could label that intimacy anymore. And I won't go any further than that because most of you are young and that analogy would not make sense. But I need you to understand something. For those of you that you've kept, I can't make a box with my hands. Those of you, there we go. Thank you. Those of you that keep God in this little box, of this is only, you can only operate, speak here. And we put up the walls of our church and our religion and we put up all these other little things and we say, God, you just, when I come into this arena, then it's me and you. But outside of there, and we wish, oh, do we wish that God would stay where we, we leave him? So badly do we wish that God would not see or hear the thoughts before they're ever formed. Oh, do we wish, do we wish? wish he would not hear the cries of insecurities in our minds do we wish he would not hear how much we actually doubt all of this don't we wish 
he could not see what's on our phones. Don't we wish that he could not see how we interact when we're cheering or in band or football or whatever, volleyball, chess club, whatever y'all do. It's a thing. Kind of, that's not going to happen. And as ridiculous as it sounds, if you would just, just take this one piece of truth and live like this, your life will change. Start living your life with the knowledge that God sees and hears all of it and still chooses you. Now, on the flip side, that doesn't, I'm not what I'm not saying is that it gives you the freedom of like, well, God knows how jacked up I am. I'm just going to stay this way. He loves me. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. So please don't take that as like, man, God knows what, he knows how, what's the point in changing. He knows it. Because his desire is, is always for you to come closer. It's always to draw near. I'm going to end with this, I promise. I don't think I have this one, Italy soaks. It'll be okay. James 4, 7 through 8 says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In fact, that's all I'm going to say. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We want God to draw near to us first. Then, when we feel the Spirit moving in our song, we feel the Spirit at the altar, when we feel the, the, the Word is given, when God's moving and the presence is in the room, then we draw near to the Lord. That's what babies would do. We say, God, you got to take the first step. You're God. You, the spirit needs to be moving. I didn't really feel the spirit in worship today. God must not be here. Those songs weren't that great. Didn't really do it for me. Not really in the mood for that. God must not be here. Wow, foolish are we. <laughs> foolish are we to stand before a mighty God, a living God, and say, well, guess you're not here. Man, would your life change if you understood that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. But stand there with your pockets in your hands and expect God to come chase you down because that's what you've been told your whole life is how much God pursues you and you don't ever take a step towards the Lord. You tell me how that ends up for you one day. Selfish generation. What a selfish generation to stand before a God that we claim to say exists, but in all of your majesty and all of your truth and your sacrifice on the cross, we stand before God that we say is alive and on the earth and we say you take the next step. Wow. Man, I don't know. I know most of you I've probably lost by now, but for those of you that are still paying attention, let that resonate in your heart. Let it resonate in your heart that God is so... We have lost what it means to have a fear of the Lord. This generation, you have lost what it means to have a fear of God. You're more of a buddy with the Lord. He's your homeboy. He's your therapist. Man, have we lost what it means to fear God? And for some of you, you might be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about now, and I don't know what that means, and I'll go more into it next week. But man, can I just... 
I'm desperate for you to get to know this. I'm desperate for you to be real with the Lord. Because I know how miserable some of you live your life. And you stand there and you are mad and angry and distant with God. You're like, well, God, you let this happen and you didn't do this. And I don't feel anything when I come in here. I don't feel anything in that message. I don't feel anything in worship. Newsflash, God's not an emotion. Draw near unto the Lord and see what happens. Caitlin, y'all can come up. Draw near to the Lord and see what happens. So that's exactly what I'm going to offer for you tonight. Is draw near unto God. I'm not saying the church version of you draw near unto God. I'm not asking for the, the high praise kid, the YTH kid, the, the I'm not asking for the version of you that knows how to do this and go through your motions. I'm asking, regardless of how long you've been in church, who you are, what your name is, or how well you know me or any other youth leader. We are, I want you to strip away absolutely everything. I don't care if you intern this summer. I don't care if you can spell Jesus. I want you to strip away absolutely every title, position you think you have, and it just be you and God, as if, even if, as if it were the, for the first time. Some of you have talked to God many, many, many times. It's just been the fake version of you. Well, God's not changing me. Man, how miserable it must be to like wait on God. Be like, God, why aren't you changing me? Why don't you take away these desires? Why don't you make it impossible for me to sin? Guys, that ain't how this works. You're sitting around waiting for God to wave his magic hands over you and then you're just going to be a completely different person because someone prayed for you. Man, that ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It's going to happen through discipleship. It's going to happen through failing and getting back up. It's going to happen through confrontation. It's going to happen through accountability. And not the kind where you just lie through the text. It's going to happen by... Oh, God. We'll, we'll go. I can't keep talking. But tonight, we're just going to end like this. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to draw near to God. And again, the real version of you. The version of you that's still dealing with trauma from your childhood, the, the version of you that's still addicted to pornography and nicotine, the version of you that is hurting, the version, ha, ha, the version of you that is still angry at him. You, some of you, I just feel this, I have felt this since worship. Some of you are so angry at God, you're like, I can't go up there and talk to him. I'm mad at him. Do you, do you honestly think that God doesn't know that? Some of the most life-changing moments in, in, in like my relationship with the Lord have been me being a complete jerk to God. There have been times and moments where I have said, and, and hear me, I'm not inviting you to get up here and yell and scream, but I am inviting you to actually work through your problems with the Lord. Some of you have a grudge and an issue with God, and you think like, uh, we're like the pouting teenager. I'm not talking to him. He let this happen. My parents, blah, blah, blah. And we, and like, God ain't afraid of that. God's not afraid of that at all. And we act like God's going to be disappointed if you say the things he already knows you're thinking. It's so simple, guys. He knows you. He knows the real version of you. He knows the real pain in you. He knows 
every thought and word before it forms, but yet we act like he only sees the facade that we put on. Y'all stand to your feet. So the team's going to lead us back into worship. And I've already instructed, I don't want the youth leaders to come up quite yet. The invitation is real simple. Draw near to the Lord. But if you do, it's got to be the real version of you. This isn't play altar call time. This isn't go through the motions. It's not getting the picture time. It's draw near to God time and why and see see if he's good on his promise to draw near back to you. Now come up here and just stand and stare and just wait for God to do something. You gotta draw near to him. Not knee and be quiet, but you need to be honest with the Lord. You need to be. I'd much rather you respond to the truth that, that you feel in your own life than, a, than an emotional moment that might happen in the next few minutes. So this is it. Giving you, I'll, I'll give you like 10 more seconds to come down here. And after that, I'm talking to you guys. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a uh, young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way, and God bless.